You are listening to On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and role-playing gamers. On the Shoulders of Dwarves. Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the people who play them. My name is Iran Aviram. And my name is Uri Lifshitz. Hello. And today we define a hero. Oh, but wait, you might say, if you remember an episode we did 40 weeks ago. <laughs> you do, you, do you, punk? <laughs> do you feel remembered? On episode 50, we discussed who is an adventurer, and we talked quite a lot about it. And it was a great, fun, and awesome, and useful episode, yes. But then today, Uri came along and said, actually, we never talked about a hero. And I said, yes, we did, episode 15. And he said, no, no, no. There are many different ways to define a hero, and actually, the way that you define your hero in your game will have a huge impact on your entire campaign. And I said, Uri, yes, you're right, let's talk about it. <laughs> so, we currently distinguish between five uses of the word hero, and they are so different that they will result in a different experience by the way that you use them. Both for the GM and the players. This is important. Yes, yes, good point. The first is a hero as the famous person. Like the hero of the city. Everyone knows them. They are the hero. Uh, they might even be an NPC, of course. We are not currently talking specifically about uh, who is a PC or an NPC. It's just what is a hero. A hero is someone who is famous. The second hero is the one who is doing the right thing. He's heroic. He chooses to go with the moral high ground. This is the measure of a true hero. The third is a hero who wins the conflict, the conqueror, uh, the defeater. This is the person that comes to the game table and wants to defeat a gazillion goblins and feel like a hero. Because that's what heroes do. Heroism is for winners. Uh, yes, heroism is winners. <laughs> And this comes directly with the next one, which is heroes is someone who does cool, awesome stuff, like an ex-movie hero. Like, for example, I jump off an airplane and I land into the water and then I dive deep under the water and I slap Cthulhu with the back of my hand. That's an awesome, cool stuff. That's what a hero does. Once. That's what a hero does <laughs> once. And finally, a hero is the protagonist is the person that is in the center of the story. It's who we are telling the story about. So why does this matter? Which is an excellent question. Why does any definition matter? Well, I'll tell you. It is because these definitions allow us to see our games in a new way that is beneficial to us. When we discuss what is a hero in our campaign or for our characters specifically, as a GM, this definition helps us to shape the call to action that will have the best effect on the character. If someone is famous, if they are contacted by someone even more famous or influential to do a specific quest for them, that would be a very effective call to action. However, if someone is all about doing the right thing, then an NPC turning to that player character and saying, I am so wronged! Help me fix this enormous injustice! Then that would be a more effective call to action. And as for the characters, we as players 
get a huge benefit because these definitions help us to decide what it is that our characters want, what it is that our characters are and should be doing. If my character is simply the protagonist of the story, and in that sense my character is the hero, then it doesn't burden me with anything except the burden to perform, to do something, because I am the protagonist. Mm. If I won't do anything, this story is stagnating. But you're not feeling as if you also need to do the right thing or that you must do something that will make you famous and that you need to be in the center of the spotlight for the entire world. Exactly. And if my character is a hero in the sense of winning the conflict, then narratives that don't have a clearly defined winner at the end of them will not give neither me nor my character any satisfaction. If there is a huge conflict between the humans and the horde, and I negotiate a peace between them, and everyone wins, I will not be satisfied because I have not won this conflict. Now, all of this might remind you of one of our most important episodes that we've ever did, Why We Play, in which we talked about player motivations and why we come to the table. And yeah, it should. It's, it's definitely the same thing. Uh, we're just looking at it from, from a different angle, because I think that this is a definition, who we are in the game, what is us as hero in the game. It's a definition that we might overlook when we realize that actually our motivation pushes us toward a specific hero type and not a different one. And we should all be aware of it. Now, of course, this definition does not need to be unanimous throughout the party. This may very well be a mixed bag. There is nothing saying that a game can't be comprised of the different hero type characters. If we'll consider The Witcher, for example, for a moment, Geralt, as I hope it is pronounced, is a hero in the sense that he does what he believes to be right. Yennefer, on the other hand, is the hero in the sense of being a protagonist. She does what she wants. She doesn't hold herself accountable to anyone. She's the character who does awesome things because she wants to do those awesome things. Technically, Geralt is a protagonist as well, simply because protagonist is a narrative term and, you know, he's in the center of the story. However, I would agree with you that he is less of a protagonist than Yennefer is. Yennefer goes through an arc. We see her throughout various stages of her life. She goes through various uh, obstacles and conflicts and comes out a different person. While Geralt, most of the time, is just there to, to do the right thing. <laughs> he is there, and whenever he is faced with any sort of decision, it's a moral quandary, and he chooses to do the right thing. That's basically, I think, the difference between them. This is not a problem by itself. Different characters have and should have different aspirations and therefore will undergo different story arcs, leading them in different directions based on the type of heroes they are and the type of hero they want to be. There is nothing saying that a character can start off as one definition of a hero and then transform to a different one. Well, there might be. I want to talk about campaign types. For example, if we are all saying, yeah, let's play pirates, we want to be pirates on the high seas, then we haven't yet said a lot about what type of heroes do we want to be. However, we are defining something for the campaign. For example, pirates, generally speaking, if we all agree on this, will want to become very famous, probably in-famous, but still. They will probably want to do cool, awesome stuff. They are probably not, or maybe will, be faced with difficult uh, moral uh, decisions and, and the like. And probably not. 
Probably not. Probably not. But if pirates they... are not well known for their moral high ground. Exactly. So, so if one of them do find themselves encountering such a thing, that probably won't be a staple of the campaign. It probably will happen. Maybe will happen in the campaign. But that's not what the campaign is about. Compare this to something like Zeitgeist, pretty famous adventure path for Pathfinder and D&D 4 and now D&D 5, in which you play sort of like an FBI in a fantasy world. So you are the king's guard, and you are tasked with making sure that, you know, all of the secret stuff is being handled behind the scenes. And this is true throughout the game, as far as I know. I haven't yet played this. But you are never expected to become the famous hero. You might be faced with choosing to do the right thing, but most of all, you are there to do the job you were given. You are the protagonist of a very specific type of story. You are agents. So in this sort of game, if you as a player come along and expect to become a famous, powerful, winning the conflict sort of hero, you will be disappointed. This is not this game. And I want to talk about another way to distinguish between two things that are important here and, again, might interfere or influence your decision on what to play and who to play. It's about being a hero intrinsically versus becoming the hero. We talked a bit about how uh, you eventually become famous or you eventually overcome obstacles. But you can also be intrinsically a hero. This is supported mechanically in various systems. In D&D, you have classes. Most other NPCs never have classes. You have inspiration. You can get advantage, which is something that other NPCs in the world just can't. In Savage World, you have a wild die, and you have bennies. In Fate, you have Fate points. It's not as if the GM doesn't have those things, but they are rare, and the GM only has a few of them to use when it suits the story, while you have them because you are the hero. <laughs> you are defined as the, an important person who will have a lot of influence on the world mechanically. You are starting out as destined for greatness. Which is part of the basic definition of a hero in those games. It's exactly right. Exactly. In Savage World, you are the hero. You are the action hero. This is fast, furious fun. This is people who do things. You cannot simply be the inactive protagonist of the story. Exactly right. Now, let's compare all of this to becoming the hero. That is, becoming one of the definitions of hero through play. You start as a nobody and you become famous. That's the story of D&D. You start as a nobody who's facing small odds and you become someone who is amazing and can defeat huge odds. Mm-hmm. You're winning the conflicts, greater and greater conflicts. You're doing more and more cool, awesome stuff. You are becoming more and more heroic in that sense. And, of course, you become the hero by doing the right thing. Maybe you didn't start as the hero. Maybe you started as a pirate. But you are becoming a moral high ground hero by slowly choosing to do the right thing, by changing who you are, by going through an arc. Uh, Maybe you decided this is what you want to do from the beginning. Maybe you started by saying, I am not yet a hero. I want my character to become a hero. Or maybe this is the goal of the game. Maybe this is what the campaign is about. You all start as nobodies from some jail sale and you will eventually uh, defeat the evil whatever by doing the right thing. There are, of course, exceptions. There are campaigns where you play evil-aligned characters, etc., etc. But again, it's the same thing in reverse. The definition of a hero 
for those characters might be different, but it will still fall into one of those categories. You do what is right for your side, for your circumstances. You change hero to villain, and you change um, doing the moral high ground to the moral low ground or whatever, and we have the same thing, only in a different direction. I think a very important question that comes up when we consider the concept of the hero is where does it end? Because for our characters, for people whose definition of a hero is doing the right thing or fighting injustice, the quest never ends. It is a, a lifelong struggle. There is always injustice to fight. There are always moral high ground to be conquered and moral dilemmas to overcome. And indeed, I believe that it's a part of our characters' self-definition, whether they are seeking for fame and fortune or whether they are trying to do the right thing. But for people whose definition of being a hero is gaining fame and fortune, there can be a very satisfying ending to their story. They can conquer the kingdom. They can defeat the dragon. They can ascend into godhood. You know, the usuals. And... For those who view heroes as fighting injustice and overcoming moral dilemma, there is no end. It is a continuous struggle. And I think this is a profound statement on the quintessential nature of your character and on the nature of the game you want to play. Will I, as a player, let my character have the possibility of a happy ever after? Or maybe the best I can give my character is the option of a good night rest, knowing that they did the right thing before they have to wake up for the next struggle. Consider this. Yowza. A bit of a dramatic there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Quite uh, the thing. Uri, my hero, let us summarize. <sighs> well, The definition of a hero is a very fluid one. I think we've established that very well. But that definition can have very long-standing consequences on our campaign as GMs or on our characters as players. And there's no doubt that you can ignore this episode, continue playing, and nothing will change. And your game will still be awesome and amazing every week. But I believe that by making a conscious decision in defining what is a hero for your campaign or for your character, you can create the experience that you want to have in your game in a better way by understanding what it is that you enjoy and want to see develop in your game. And I personally enjoy to take the load off. This world is carried on the shoulders of the wars. This is the part of the show where we should talk about role-playing games in our own personal lives. Uri, what have you been personally been doing role-playing game-wise? So I've been playing my D&D 5th edition game this week, and we had something that kind of went outside the scope of the game. We did a, a whole sort of a special session in which we were more narrative-oriented and not very system-oriented. And there was this big scene in the Feywild and the Wild Hunt and various, and, and I'm keeping it vague on purpose so I won't spoil anything. And we sort of joined the evil side as they were charging to slaughter the good people of the realm. And my character decided that after we sort of unintentionally switched side to switch side back and betray the person that we were currently helping in their 
terrible slaughter. And I stabbed them, and it was a whole scene, and I gained the level, which was awesome. And I picked up their sword and stabbed them again. And the GM told me, okay, Yuri, fine, you get a magic sword, which is a big deal. And let's discuss what it is, because it should have some ramification, uh, considering how you got it. And I said, I don't need to think about it. This would be the sword of betraying. This sword will whisper in my character's ear, making him paranoid. However, I don't want this to ruin the entire game. So my character would still be 100% dedicated to what the party wants. We have a very clearly established goal. We want to create our kingdom and to place the rightful queen on the throne. Rightful queen being another PC. And my character is going to be consumed by this goal and nothing else. Meaning, if I have to kill, maim, betray the rest of the party in order to achieve this goal, which is our party-wide goal, yes? I'm going to do it. Because I'm paranoid, and if I'll consider that one of them is working against the creation of this kingdom, I'm going to go lawful evil on their ass. And I've said that, and I looked at the other players, and, and everyone were like, okay, this, this sounds like, okay, we'll probably, you know, we'll probably kill you in the morning, <laughs> but okay. And I'm really excited to see where this new betray feat can take me and the story. It's a good example of how one really powerful choice mm. that you decide to take I was going to say that your character make, but, mm. you know. The character doesn't make any choices. It's you. Yeah, yeah, one powerful choice that you make can really change the whole flow of the story for your character. This is brilliant. This is great. And I have something entirely different to talk about. My adventure, old new adventure, uh, One Last Tribute, is now available on the DM's Guild. And we'll give a link in the show notes. Um, it's... Why don't you tell us what you mean by saying an old new adventure? Because that adventure has a really, really interesting story. So uh, it began many, many years ago, 2006, actually. 2006 years ago? Yes. <laughs> um, so some of you might know my other uh, online project, uh, up to four players. And in it, there is a character named Guy. It's a webcomic, uh, and Guy is based on an actual person called Eviatar. And Eviatar is Aviv Oz, uh, who is my partner in up to four player. Uh, he's her husband. And they met around 2006. And then... He did not yet have played, wow, D&D. <laughs> so, or any role-playing game. He just never had experience, uh, if I remember correctly. It was 15 years ago, who knows. But if, as I recall, he never had role-playing games before in her life, never got to experience the joy of rolling a dice. So we sat down and we created some uh, 3.5 characters. And I ran a short adventure in which I thought to myself, let this be the epitome of all Dungeon and Dragon dungeons with all of the classics or some of the classics and all good fun with dynamic combat encounters and interesting, not super duper complicated, but some story and flavor, etc. And it was great fun and we all had a, a, a lot of fun playing it. And so much so that I later decided to actually write it down for D&D &D 4 when that came out. 
but in Hebrew. I published it in Hebrew. And when I say published, I, I mean I put it on my website and everyone can download it. To, to this day, if you want to download it in D&D 4 in Hebrew, there will be a link in the show notes. You can go there as well. But then 2012 came along. And Uri, what a year it was. What a year indeed. I don't know. I don't remember. But one of the things <laughs> that happened that year is the one-page dungeon competition. I think I only became aware of it that year. It's a competition where every year uh, you send a page with one dungeon on it. Well, actually, there could be several dungeons if you really want to, but they all must fit on a single page. Uh, and then it's judged, and people get some PDFs, and, and if you, you are awarded some sort of PDF and honors. And I sent this adventure, redacted to a single page, uh, very OSR style, very little information, actual information, except for what is interesting and useful about what is going on, and the map, which was drawn by Aviv. And we won. Well, that's, uh, there were 25 winners, so it was one of the winners. But uh, still, it was the best tomb. We got the best tomb award. And I said, yay, awesome. Uh, you can download that one page as well for free. There will be a link in the show notes. And then many years have passed, and I said, I really should translate this to D&D 5 and put it on the DMs Guild once the DMs Guild became a thing. And I started doing so, and I started running D&D in English, especially in order to make this adventure, to playtest this adventure in English and to try it out and to translate it. And that happened three years ago, or even four. And time has passed, and I don't, no longer remember why I stopped doing... Ah, I do remember. Crystal Heart. I started working with Crystal Heart <laughs> and, and everything else uh, faded into the account. But now Crystal Heart is no more. I mean, it is. It's still here. But I, I no longer work on it. So it now exists. So now One Last Tribute actually exists as an adventure on the DMs Guild. It's a lot of fun. It's a small, cute little dungeon with some fun interactions with a basic but very serviceable story around it and some, I think, fun encounters to be had. I personally think it's an amazing adventure, and you should all buy it right now. There's a link in the show notes, or you can simply uh, Google One Less Tribute and play it. If you do buy it, then first of all, thank you. And second of all, please do leave a review. It pushes the adventure up on the hot list on drive-thru, and you should note that most buys, most purchases on drive-thru RPG come from the front page. So the longer an adventure or a product is on the front page, the better its chances are of staying on the front page and being bought. So it's, it's a vicious cycle. And it's amazing how much any rating or review helps. Indeed. And with that note, Lakers is shared under Creative Commons by Attribution Non-Commercial 4. Intro and outro are by the Cliché Dio. And you can email us at show at dwarfcast.net. On the shoulders of dwarves